Welcome back to Purpose Driven Passive Profits. His name is Nate Armstrong. He is the founder of HomeInvest.com. My name is Steve Warner. I am the Chief Investment Officer. If you are interested in investing in multifamily because you believe that God has called us to be great stewards of our talents and of our time and of our money, you are in the right place. This is a show for you. We talk about how multifamily real estate investing can serve you and serve God at the same time. Today, we're going to be talking about interest rates and what exactly you can expect if you invest in multifamily. There are a lot of confusing terms out there, a lot of things being thrown around. Basically, you give somebody money and you don't know what you're getting back. So if that's where your mind is, you are listening to the right show. We're going to break down some of those terms for you so that you can understand this. Nate, let's just start right out of the gate. If somebody gives you $150,000 as an investment in multifamily, what are the terms that they need to know? I know internal rate of return, IRR is the one that most people talk about. What are some other ones that we need to be aware of? Yeah, cap rate will be tossed around. Um, cap rate doesn't necessarily pertain to what the take home of the investor is. Cap rate is a measurement of the deal's performance. So it's basically like, what is the what is the deal itself paying out? So it's not the take home for the investor though. So what we really should focus on is the IRR, internal rate of return. And then we also probably want to know the preferred return. That's how much is the investor going to make before the sponsors get to start taking their cut of the rents? All right. Well, let's start right at the very beginning. What is IRR, internal rate of return? How is it measured? And how does that affect the, affect the investor? Yeah. So internal rate of return is what the sponsorship group is shooting to hit as a performance measure for your money. So if someone says, hey, invest in my deal, we have a 16% internal rate of return. What they're saying is, while your money is out working for you in this project, everything total at the end of the day, talking about the rents that we take in, the net, net cash flow from the rents, and the profit that we make from the sale of this project, whatever we bring back to you, we're targeting to make sure it's at least 16%. And so where it gets a little bit confusing for people is that they think to themselves, well, you're buying a multifamily property. Like I'm looking at the paper and it says that, you know, it's going to pay out something like a 6% cap rate. How are you getting 16% to me? That's a big question that we get from a lot of investors. And this is how it works. Okay. On the rental side, the cash flow that's coming in every single month from the tenants paying their rent that amount of profit is small. That's like a little bit coming in. That's usually where sponsors are able to pay the preferred return. That's the, from the cash flow. That's what you as an investor get before the sponsor gets to take any part of the rents. Okay, so the rent amount, just think of that as the smallest part of the entire profit. Where the big part of the profit is, that comes from when the asset is resold. When we get into these multifamily properties, like um, Steve and I are working on right now, a 22 unit building, the owner of that one has not raised the rent in almost two years. It's like, he doesn't, he doesn't have an onsite property management number one, which is a mistake. And then number two, he's absentee. He lives in a different state. And so he's just not paying attention to this asset. And so because rents haven't been raised in two years, we get to come in and immediately we start raising rents. 
As soon as the lease expires, we go in, we raise the rent. If the tenant moves out, we clean up the unit, we raise the rents. Either way, we're raising rents. So at the end of like one to three years, we're going to have our rents dramatically increased overall, which then will drive the value of the building up. It's worth more money because it's producing more income. At that point, we choose to sell. We sell the asset, we bring in a huge chunk of profit, and that's where we complete the rest of the internal rate of return. So it's coming from two sources. You got your rents, which is a small amount, and then the resale of the property, which is the big amount. Okay, so the cap rate, let me let me understand what the cap rate is because it's the cap rate combined with the sale of the property. So it's the monthly cash flow, that amount of profit, plus the cap rate equals the IRR. Yeah, it's it's whatever um, net operating income. So this is the rent coming in and then we pay for the taxes, the mortgage, the insurance, the property manager, all the expenses. Whatever the net is of that, plus the resale profits of the property, that those two numbers combined are what are, are totaling up our internal rate of return. Perfect, got it. So totally. what can an investor expect while you're holding? So let's say it takes us four years to sell this building that we're working on right now. What can an investor expect between when they hand us the money and when we cash out at the end? Yeah. So during that interim period, we always, um, we like to underpromise and overdeliver here. So um, we underpromise and we, we say, you know what, we're going to make sure you get 6%. While your money's out during this middle interim period, you'll get 6%. Now, normally I can't, Past performance does not always dictate future results. So I don't want anyone to take this wrong. We want to always underpromise on this. Usually we're able to do better than that. Usually we're able to, to beat our own internal uh, measurements, but we promise 6% on the preferred return. And then when we exit the property and we get another big chunk of cash, that's when we're able to, to catch up and hit the other uh, 10% that we were looking for to total 16%. Awesome. Nate, this might seem like a silly question, but I'm sure people out there wonder, if you go into the deal saying, hey, we expect a 16% IRR, are you under any obligation to hit that number? Um, so from a legal perspective, no, there's not like we because you can't guarantee anything that would be illegal to do. You can't tell someone, I guarantee you're going to make this. The only people that can make guarantees are insurance companies. And then there's some um, there's some other investment vehicles similar to insurance companies. In real estate syndications, we're not allowed to guarantee anything. So um, no, there's no legal promise for it. But from a reputational standpoint, we have everything to lose if we overpromise anyone. The way that I, I we've been in this space for a long time, uh, going on almost two decades, 1400 plus successful exits on our properties. And what I've learned is that if you disappoint an investor, they'll tell like 10 people. If you please an investor, they might tell one. And so you just don't want to disappoint investors. So we've made a rule to never overpromise, underpromise, overdeliver, underpromise, overdeliver. And by living by that, what we find is that we come in with uh, uh, reasonable expectations on the start of the project. And then when we exceed the expectations, then everybody's happy. So that's how, that's how we do it. So although there's not a legal uh, requirement to do it, there's a reputational requirement to deliver. Does that make awesome. sense? Absolutely. And I was going to, I was going to ask you what our reputation is and how we have performed in the past, but you already shared it. Uh, more than 1400 deals. We always 
under promise and over deliver. So whatever you sign the contract at, whatever we tell you, we always aim to over deliver on that. We make sure that you sign something that says you'll be happy and then we over deliver on that. So let's talk about preferred return just so that people understand what that is and how that gets paid out. So the sponsors aren't the only ones making money, but the preferred return, they're actually making money before the sponsor. If you can just explain that one a little bit. Yeah, so this um, preferred return has been around forever, but the way that I best learned it is I had an investor, he owned a company and um, he he owned a bunch of assets inside the company that were paid off free and clear, a bunch of buildings. And um, he did not want to have to like cash out of his other investments to do an investment in our deal. So what he did is he set up a line of credit against his empty build or his buildings at 3% interest. And so he was able to borrow the equity in those buildings. He didn't have to sell them. He literally got the bank to put a line of credit on them. He borrowed at 3% and then put the money into our deal. Now, his biggest concern was, well, you know what? I'm going to have to pay the interest payments on that 3%. And so that's when uh, the preferred return really became a staple for me. If we could maintain his small 3% payments, whatever, whatever that ended up being, then he was happy and he would do unlimited deals with us. And that's just kind of how it worked. And so I learned how vital the preferred return was for some people, because some people will tap, you know, an existing home equity line of credit or a business line of credit, or I got another guy that he has a multi-million dollar stock portfolio. He has a line of credit against the stock portfolio and he'll borrow against that from time to time. And so the preferred return that comes in every, every quarter is basically us taking the rents and saying, you know what, here's the net profit from the rents. You get the first 6%, boom. And then that goes to, to cover people's cost of funds, essentially. Or if it's uh, pure cash for them, then they can just use it as profit in their bank account. And can you invest without, you can take a non-preferred return, correct? So I, I'm just going to repeat the question back to make sure I understand. So can you can you get into a deal and not have a preferred return? Yes. Right? Um, some sponsors, they do deals that don't have preferred returns at all. Most of our deals do have preferred returns. The exception is, is that when we're taking a heavy value add property, like we got to go in there and gut the place, major renovations, you know, over a year without strong rents. That's when we, when we uh, postpone the preferred return because it doesn't make sense. Like you got to be positive cash flow on the property to be able to pay a preferred return. We don't take a lot of those in this current economic cycle. In this current economic cycle, we like to take very low risk deals. So usually they're already cash flowing and we just come in and improve them, do a little bit of improvements to, to bring the cash flow even higher. Awesome. So Nate, I just want to kind of wrap this up. We talked about IRR. We talked about cap rate. We talked about preferred returns. We talked about what a good investment looks like. So right now you're going to want to look for a preferred return. You're going to want to look somewhere between 14 and 16%. Anything else people should be looking at when they're looking for a multifamily investment? Yeah, um, uh, well, I would be looking at a lot of things. Um, cash on cash return is probably the other measurement that will pop up. Cash on cash return, though, is not one of those things that's like net to the investor. That's more like the deal itself. How is it shaking up? Um, so I, I won't take us down that rabbit hole too much, but don't, don't confuse cash and cash return. That's not the take-home pay for anybody. Like your take-home pay as an investor is 
what is the preferred return, and what is the IRR. Those are the two take-home pay for the investor that investors should really lean in and focus in on. The other measurements are just to test to see how good or strong the deal is itself. Um, but what else would I be looking for? Uh, I'd be looking for number one, who are the sponsors? Have they navigated a difficult economic cycle before? Have they fully cycled? Or are they greener? Are they only been doing this during good times? Because if they've only been doing this during the good times, um, it's not the person that I want navigating my ship through through stormy waters. I want to I want to work with people that have been through the stormy waters before because this is just different. It's a whole different ball game when you've got the market dropping and banks collapsing and things like that. The second thing that I want to look at is is the asset itself is it really a solid deal? Is it truly cash flowing? And um, uh, I wouldn't be afraid to go through the numbers myself. I wouldn't just like, you know, take the sponsor's word. I would want to go through the rent rolls. I'd want to see for myself that it's actually going to perform. And if you got good sponsors and you've got a good asset, then I believe in, in my full heart that multifamily is the best place to park capital right now. There's just not a better, better asset that's out there without a lot of risk. Multifamily assets are, are very, very low risk as long as they're already stabilized and, and producing income. Awesome. So Nate, do you want to tell them a little bit about the current deal that we have going on? We have a great multifamily. It is a little bit on the smaller side, but it has great returns, great cash flow. Nate, do you want to share that with us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is 22 unit building. Um, we don't normally take them this small, but this one particularly, it's three blocks away from another asset that we have that's just kicking button taking names. And so we can leverage our on-site team to, to, to improve this building too. But we got the thing at a 4.33% interest rate. It's unheard of. Like anybody else going to the bank right now, you're going to get quoted 65 to 7.5% interest. There's some people even taking 8% loans right now. We got this thing at 4.33%. And it's a long-term fixed mortgage rate. We're coming in with a, a hefty down payment. We're going to have tons of equity in the property. So we're not going to have, be like over leveraged or anything. Um, and it's in the historic district, beautiful, beautiful part of town, walkable to all the, all the cool stuff in the universities. Um, just a really, really good property, beautiful brick building. I'm, I want to kind of call this a, a trophy property. I can't go quite that far because it's not like on boardwalk in New York city, but in, um, in the market that this is in, which is Kentucky, it is a, a beautiful little trophy. Awesome. If you guys are interested in investing with us, if you'd like to learn more about the properties, you can go to homeinvest.com. You can also click down below. Um, if you go to homeinvest.com, you'll see all the details of the property. Or if you're catching the show a little bit late, you could also see the other properties that we are working on right now. You can book a call with us. We will run through all the details and answer any questions that you have. Again, that is homeinvest.com, or you can click on the link down below in the show notes, or if you're watching this on YouTube, it is in the description. Nate, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing things with us. Until next time, everyone, remember to be safe with your investments. Look for a solid investment, and multifamily is definitely the best way to build foundational wealth. We'll see you soon.